Happy holidays. It's time again for the 2023 ACB Holiday Auction. Come join your ACB friends on Zoom or ACB Media Sunday, November 26th at 6 p.m. Eastern for an evening of fun and fundraising for ACB. There'll be a wide variety of items for your bidding pleasure, including jewelry, collectibles, crafts, technology, gift cards, and those ever-popular baked items. All proceeds will go to support the work of ACB Media. If you want to get an early start on things, you can bid on items presented in the Sneak-A-Peak Appetizer Auction Friday and Saturday, November 24th and 25th. Watch your email for more details or you can email Leslie Spoon at lesliespoon at cfl.rr.com. We'll see you at the auction November 26th. Happy bidding! Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the content creators and should not be assumed to reflect product endorsements or the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Demand Our Access. Once again today, I have Desiree with me, and we are going to be discussing a complaint uh, that we are in the process of filing against moving companies. Um, but then we're going to try something different. We're going to do some scenarios that we've been talking about um, that may help some of you out there learn how and when to file a complaint or mention something when you are having uh, issues getting your legal rights respected. So that's what we're doing today. Before we get into that, I want to thank Devi and Brad for helping us today. And I want to thank Jane for popping in and helping as well. And I want to thank our friends, um, Cindy and Natalie with ACB Community, who help us get up and running and help us do this every two weeks. And our December episodes, since we do the second and, or excuse me, the first and third Saturdays of the month. Uh, we will be doing uh, December 2nd and December 18th. Uh, both of those will be at our normal 2 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, and so we shouldn't have too much interference um, with holidays for Demand Our Access this year. As always, uh, I would love other folks uh, who are interested, may be interested in participating in the podcast, sharing their stories, coming on as guests, if you like the scenarios, any feedback that you have, please, I, I really uh, enjoy getting it. The feedback can be sent to jonathan at demandouraccess.com, or you can fill out the contact us link at demandouraccess.com. I want to give a brief update about um, the complaint we filed against Chase Bank uh, uh, two weeks ago. Uh, we have not heard back from the Department of Justice on that yet, which is a good sign in my view, because if they're not at all interested, typically um, you'll find out in a couple of days. So at least there's a chance the, that they will be interested in that complaint. Um, so hopefully there'll be some positive updates on that as the podcast continues. The uh, recording of that podcast and the document we actually filed will be posted to demandouraccess.com today. I apologize that that was not done prior to this uh, live episode, but it, it's been a very busy week. 
um, for me personally, and uh, I just didn't get to it. That's the truth, um, but I will have it up there today. With all of those uh, um, introductory announcements out of the way, um, let's get into the substance of today's episode, and I'm going to um, let Desiree uh, start things off since um, it was really Desiree's move here that started all this. Who made the mess? And so I, I want Desiree to just walk through um, a little bit of what uh, her experience was with the moving companies and how some of this went down. And then we'll move into how we're trying to address this um, to hopefully improve service um, for, for people down the road who find themselves in this situation. So Desiree, why don't you uh, walk us through a little bit of what happened? So um, I moved uh, here to Oregon from Texas. So that's about 1800 miles or so, somewhere in there. <laughs> um, and I, you know, had just replaced a lot of my furniture a few years ago. It was new. I thought, I, I really don't want to start all over. So I'm going to hire a moving company to move everything. Um, one of the big things I have is um, a baby grand piano that I got when I was like 14. So many, many years ago. Um, and I wanted to keep that. And so that was, and that's one of the harder things to move. Um, you have to be very careful moving those kinds of things because you, the pieces come off a certain way. And I had moved it once before or twice before um, locally, you know, but never cross country. So one of the first things I was looking for in a moving company was, can you move a baby grand piano safely? Do you know, you know, all the rules, how to do it, all of that stuff. So any, you know, ones that I was looking for, that was the first question I would ask. Um, so I, um, I found one that I talked to directly and uh, the, the gentleman I talked to or the person I talked to um, was seemed very nice. And he said, yeah, we move baby grand pianos all the time. No problem. We'll take it down. Right. We'll pad it. We'll do all this. We'll reassemble it for you. And it will be. And then they charge you extra for that kind of an item and any other like bulk type items like I have an elliptical trainer and a, um, you know, a couple of other pieces that were considered bulk. So um, one of the other things that I was told was I have, they, we have hubs in both places where you're moving from and where you're moving to. So that was a good thing. Like, well, oh, this is great. Okay. So then uh, we kind of went through this introductory process of going through all of my furniture verbally um, because they, they do have a way to do it online, but it wasn't accessible. So we did it over the phone and I was told that they have a software that when they put different pieces of furniture in, it gives them a really good idea of the cubic feet that it takes and the weight and all those things that it takes to, um, to move. So I went through my house, you know, I have this, I have that, and uh, you know, these bedrooms and that I was basically moving a four bedroom house and an office and thing and the piano and all that. Um, so, uh, went through that, you know, got an estimate from him. And the problem was that uh, I couldn't actually see everything in the contract until it was signed. So I was sent, uh, 
a signing thing that was basically pictures of some text. And I, you know, you could get a little bit, but not any structure until it was signed. And once you signed it, they sent you a PDF to have for your records. So, uh, so, you know, I, I liked what I was hearing. I fell for his crap <laughs> as it turns out. I just want to, just a, a sure. clarifying point. Um, when he was talking you through it, he left you with the impression that he was explaining the entire contents of the document to you. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yes. And and as you'll see, that turned out to be entirely false. Yes. Um, and so, you know, uh, that's right. And so I... I you and know. you were very open and upfront about mm -hmm. the fact that you're blind. Yes. And you can't read their PDFs. Yes, I couldn't read it. In fact, I needed help even to go through the signing process because you had to basically scribble your finger in a little box. Mm -hmm. and things, okay. you know. So yes. keep going. I just wanted everybody yep. to understand that you told them that you have a disability. Yes. That you wouldn't be able to understand and you couldn't understand... And they told you that they would walk you through the documents. Yes. And as you will see, that is not at all what happened. No. And and the other thing I, I offered, because, you know, it's hard for me, and I, you know, I'm not a professional mover, right? I can tell you the pieces of furniture I have, but, you know, I don't have exact measurements and things I offer to do either a FaceTime or pictures, you know, send them pictures of things in the house um, or have them come on site. And they did. They no. We don't. We don't do that. Our company doesn't come on site. We know what furniture is. We can. We have this software that will tell us. And so, no problem. Don't worry about that. We've got it covered. Kind of. And just as another point, so people understand the gravity of this, we found out later after all this was over that uh, companies who don't offer to come, who don't want to come look at your stuff before they move it is one of the first signs that the Department of Transportation looks at as a scam. Mm. And I honestly, you know, I'd never done this before. I'd moved locally and I hired, you know, two men in a truck <laughs> to go like 10 miles. You know, I had never done anything like this before and had no idea what to expect. I knew it was going to be expensive. Um. But, you know, the estimate that they gave me was was pretty, I thought, wow, this is reasonable. And I, they have all my furniture listed in the inventory. I was able to see the inventory and they had a lot of that stuff listed, but they didn't have the correct measurements or anything else about it. Um, so a participant has enabled closed um, captioning. Close. Who can see this transcript? I, um, I signed the stuff, open. saw the paperwork and and honestly I thought okay this is covered now I've got this set we were in the middle of you know closing on houses I had sold my house already and I had a, a lease back so I had to be out by a certain date um and then uh they said we'll call you back when it gets closer to your move date and we'll go over everything again with you if you need to add anything or take anything away um that kind of thing uh, so they called me back in July. Um, and so the first call was um, was in May, you know, April, May, when we were going through all that the first time. Um, they, and so they called back in July and um, they basically it was the week before they were supposed to come and went through it again and made a few changes. Um, I 
added stuff. I took some stuff away. I was going to take my trampoline, decided not to. They were supposed to refund that bulky fee for that item. And, and, and so I had to sign yet another contract, go through the same process again. <laughs> um, and the same problem, right? I, I couldn't read it first. And, you know, but they had it, you know, it was close enough to what I had originally been quoted. So I didn't think anything of it. I thought, okay, we've already done this once. It just has the things I added. It's done. Did you? No, I just want to, I don't think we told people the company in question here is called Perennial Van Yeah, I didn't know if I was supposed to mention that. And (laughs) another thing that people should know about this, because be careful, this is how shady an industry it is. Perennial van lines does not, as we found out later, even own a van. Yeah. They are what's called in the moving industry a broker. Uh, and that information is in the inaccessible documents that Desiree couldn't read. At the very bottom. And they <laughs> never disclosed that they weren't actually a, a full-fledged moving company. Nope. They never disclosed that information. No. Nope. And... Uh, the name is just disastrously misleading. They don't even own a van and they don't even have any hubs, never mind hubs in Austin and Portland. Mm-hmm. They don't own a van or office space anywhere. Yeah. Lesson learned, you know, really do your and get bids and things. And I didn't do that. So that's, you know, that's on me. I just, you know, thought this is, you know, I don't know. I've never done it. And this sounds good. Um, so, uh, after July, you know, after I talked to them in, in the first of July, then they came to move me on July the 10th. Um, I had like three more days that I could be in my house before the new owners were going to move in. So this company shows up called Jackson movers. I'm like, well, I didn't hire Jackson movers. What the heck is this? Well, that was the company that perennial hired. Um, without, you know, they don't give you any choices. They don't tell you this is who we're hiring. Expect, so, you know, expect Jackson movers to come and move you. They did not tell me anything about that until they showed up at my, in my driveway. And when they showed up, the, actually the, the guy at Jackson movers, he was nice, but he said, I can't believe they did this. I couldn't believe on the cubic feet when I pulled up to this house, I thought maybe I was just moving one room of this house, maybe two. So they grossly underestimated the cubic feet um, based on, even though they had the inventory and all the things I had mentioned I had. By about half. By half. Yeah. And so instead of taking one small truck, it ended up taking two large trucks. And then they still had to offload it onto a bigger truck to drive, you know. And as it turns out, they actually offloaded it multiple times. They don't tell you that either. Um, So... So, you know, when they showed up, I mean, literally, I couldn't say, no, I'm not going to do this after all, because I was stuck. I want people to understand how this actually went down, because you're going to be nicer about it. So uh, the person literally stuck an iPad with an inaccessible document in your face and told you, if you don't sign this now and agree to pay twice the estimate they gave you, they would leave and not move your stuff. Yes. That's what happened. Yes. And uh, you 
because of the contract you had with the buyers of your home. Yes. They literally had a gun to your head. Mm-hmm. You had to be out the next day. Yep. And mm-hmm. they forced you to sign something you couldn't read that yep. doubled what they told you you owed, or they were going to force you to violate your closing contract. Yep. And by the way, it does actually say in their paperwork, that their estimate should not go up more than 10%. And it also says that in the law. And we'll <laughs> yes, we'll so, get into this. Yes, we'll get yes. into that later. But it, it's important to yes. point all of that out. Yep. So, you know, so they, they packed everything up. They took everything apart. I couldn't believe even, you know, cabinets, desks, rather than just kind of moving them into the truck, they took it all in pieces, uh, you know, and, tried to keep things together, I guess, and, and all of that. Um, and then, so it was all gone and I came here and waited. Then the waiting game started for furniture because they said, first they said, oh, it, it'll be five, five to seven days. And then it was now two weeks. And then it was, well, you could have a window of, and we'll just keep in touch with you. We'll let you know where your stuff is the whole way. I'll call you and give you regular updates. They never did. I always had to call them and ask them and I could never get a straight answer. And at times I actually would get yelled at by them when I would question anything or try to say, look, you told me this and and now you're telling me that, you know, they would bully me and yell at me. And we're sitting here with no furniture for a month, (laughs) over a month. And it's also important to point out that by law, they have 30 days to make the delivery. Mm-hmm. They didn't actually deliver until the 34th day. Yep. In the meantime, three or four times they said, it'll be delivered this day. It'll be, mm-hmm. and not only did they not deliver, they never called and said they weren't delivering. Uh, and nope. and then just to, so we move it along a bit, the when they finally did show up, it was another subcontractor. It wasn't Jackson mm-hmm. or they subcontract. I don't even remember the name of the company. Um, but this company, the guy shows up uh, here. We're all here waiting for the furniture. And he says, I can't get my truck in your street. I can't. So then he pulls the whole, if you don't pay another $2,000, mm-hmm. I'm not going to deliver your stuff. Now we did have this checked out. Yeah. We actually had a truck driver yeah. and they called the fire department. And yeah. I mean, they, we had it checked that you could get the you truck could in. Get it. Yeah. Uh, my brother is actually a truck driver. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, I could park that yeah. thing. Yeah. I don't know why. Okay. But again, they pull the whole, we're just not going to deliver your stuff unless you pay. Mm-hmm. And then, so we had to, and then when they were delivering, okay. Uh, there was this is you couldn't even make this stuff up. Uh, at least one of the guys was in the in our driveway drinking Mike's hard lemonade mm-hmm. and, and flirting with my seventy one year old mom. And then and asking and, her for a tip. And then we paid extra to have the stuff assembled. And the guy said, "We don't do that." And even though it's in the contract that they do, Mm-mm. that's too complicated for us. And so they left all kinds yep. of things all over the house, not put back together. Mm. Yep. Uh, we, we labeled a bunch yep. of boxes. 
that were told, you know, this goes upstairs, this goes downstairs. They just put them anywhere. Mm-hmm. And we went, so. My piano ended up on its side in the, in yes. the doorway. Even though we asked them and paid <laughs> extra to have it move, they literally just, and we had to pay a piano moving company, another company, $650 or something like that mm-hmm. to reset up and make sure the piano wasn't damaged. And then that doesn't even start with every, you know, broken things. They basically offloaded it who knows how many times. So basically it wasn't the same driver that drove the whole way. They would switch trucks. Uh, we were missing things. Um, we had, you know, broken my, you know, shelves, desks, pieces broken that you couldn't put them back together again, even. And then they were, you know, separated from their other pieces. I mean, it was a nightmare. And I just, I just never would have thought, I mean, I've heard about bad experiences, but it was, it was a real nightmare. And then, you know, we called them, we're like, how are we going to get all this stuff assembled? Right. Well, we might be able to have somebody in, you know, within a couple of weeks or so, and maybe, and, or, you know, we'll, different people can do, assemble different things, but this is complicated furniture. Like you took it apart or your company took it apart and you said you would, that was, and you charged us extra to have it, it done. <laughs> yeah. But I want to, I want to get into, because I think it, it's important for like uh perennial who Desiree signed the contract with. They have someone who's called a compliance person who's supposed to ensure legal compliance, okay? Um, this person knew literally nothing about the ADA and their title. Uh, multiple times she said to us, well, it's your fault. You didn't have somebody there to read it to you, mm-hmm. which is a, just an outrageous violation of the law. Mm-hmm. So we have reached a stage now um, so it gets related to the the podcast where we are in the process of filing a Title III complaint with the Department of Transportation against perennial van lines and Jackson movers. Um, perennial will be the bigger target because that's the company we contracted with. Uh, but we're going on several grounds. One is the, the false estimate uh forcing people to sign. But the reason we're doing this and the reason that we wanted to talk about this today on the podcast is because when I looked, started looking into filing, the Department of Transportation has nothing that I can find related to moving companies' Title III responsibilities, even though they're clearly public accommodations, they're clearly covered by Title III. So what I'm hoping is that by doing this, yes, I'm hoping the companies will be held accountable. It would be great if they could get us some kind of a refund. Uh, But there's a bigger issue at stake here. To us, the money is sadly gone. Gone. If we get some back, it's great. Uh, But there's an issue here that these companies don't know anything, didn't know anything about Title III, there's no guidance as far as I can tell about Title III. Um, and so we're hoping that by filing this, the Department of Transportation will understand this problem and will notify the industry that you actually have to follow Title III of the ADA. 
And so that's what we talk about on the podcast all the time. So how are we doing that? Well, this is going to be tricky uh, because they because the Department of Transportation, which oversees uh, interstate transporting of goods, does not have an ADA process uh, for Title III. Uh, we're going to have to try and attach it to the normal mover complaint form. But to kind of expedite things and warn them, I'm actually going to call them ahead of time before we actually file and say, this is the situation. How You don't have a way for me to actually do this. So, and I may wind up filing jointly with the Department of Justice and the Department of Transportation, depending on the guidance that they provide. Um, but this is why I wanted to bring this to the audience's attention, that sometimes it's not always easy to figure out how to do this stuff. In some instances, sadly, the government is not doing enough to notify entities, especially businesses, about their legal responsibilities. And so this one is going to take more work on my part than simply filling out the DOJ form that we did with Chase uh, on the previous podcast. So we'll have more updates on that as we go along. I want to pause now to see um, if anyone has any questions about this. So um, do we have any hands? I don't um, think so. One hand is raised. Hold just one second. Okay. Okay, it's Ray Campbell, and you should be able to talk, Ray. Wow. <laughs> wow, what a story. I, <laughs> I got here a little <laughs> late, and I'm just, I'm just glad that Karen and I did not have anywhere near that bad an experience. We had a very good experience. So, um, no, I, I, what, um, so what, so what would you, you two, having been through something like this, what kind of advice would you give to people who are blind or visually impaired that may be in a situation where they do, you know, they do have a, a, a moving situation and, um, and stuff because this this totally sounds like taking advantage of you oh, guys. Absolutely. And how yeah. how, how much was. stuff got broken, by the way? Oh, I, I, a lot. I'm, I'm sure. Mean, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> makes it makes our little bit of damage seem very but insignificant. You but you can't even file a claim against them no. if if you unpack it yourself, like they tell you. Ah, if yeah, you yeah. find broken things that you and, unpack. Sorry, we don't cover that. And in this case, it's important to point out that they weren't going to send somebody for days to unpack. So, like, we literally had to unpack. Leaving us in the house with, you know, two kids. <laughs> with, you know, boxes with, bo with boxes of stuff that nope. you couldn't unpack. Oh, and my gosh. You, you couldn't even walk around and, the house. It's and, ridiculous. And, of course, they all have arbitration clauses and things. And like none that. of the filing processes are accessible. No. So we would have had to do that over so, the phone, too. Did, so the, did you the, did you have any kind of insurance or anything that would help? Oh, help yes. With but, oh, and, yes. But, yeah. but all of that. It's tied to the it's And it's tied uh, to the pounds. It's tied to the pounds. Yes. Not the value. Mm. Yes. So it's so 
my advice to people uh, and this is just me uh, and you know i'm not trying to like desire this should have never happened and that's why we're filing um, good for you guys i think if i was there um i would have been quite a bit more aggressive with them from the beginning <laughs> and i Probably think not been. you jonathan come on <laughs> no i i mean i i'm just too much like oh you know he's really nice and I feel good about it it's it's fine you know but i think um, the advice that i would give people um and i and i hate to say this because it's awful but if you're not up for this level of advocacy and conflict you should probably just sell everything you have and start again <laughs> or get or, someone to help you <laughs> or you should go to like a known straight moving company like mayflower or somebody like that mm -hmm. that does do not use a broker under any circumstance that would be the first point of advice the second point of advice would be uh you know i would tell people straight up front like if you don't actually come and survey my inventory and take pictures i'm not signing anything mm -hmm. i'm not choosing you as a company mm -hmm. um, and then i would tell them the third thing is um every i won't you can't um have somebody read it to me if you can't produce accessible documents uh, then i i will find another company now i will say my suspicion is you're going to have a very hard time finding <laughs> yeah. a company that provides that level of accessibility. So if if you're under a time crunch, you're not going to have the ability to hunt around. But but and then just be honest with them up front and too and say, yep. uh, this doesn't go well. I will be filing if you violate my rights. I and I'm in. I want you to know that. And we have, we saved all of the emails. All of, So when Good we filed. Took pictures of everything that they threw yeah, everywhere. We have a, we even have stuff. pictures of the Mike's Hard Lemonade. In the driveway. driveway. Oh my by, gosh. By the moving truck. <laughs> so, and, you know, so, I, I mean, honestly, it, it's, I think, and this is one of the reasons why we, we do this or why you do this, right? Is, is, you know, to tell people like, mm -hmm. um, because you know, on my own, if this had happened, I wouldn't know, okay, you can, these are different things you can file you. These are your rights that going into it from day one, I could say, I know my rights and you can't take advantage of me. Right. But you know, well, when you don't know, you don't know how to stand yeah. up for it. Well, not to mention Desiree, it's, I mean, and Jonathan, I mean, Moving is stressful enough as it is. Oh, yeah, alone. and we had just gotten married. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And then guys... I lost my guide dog in the middle of all that, too. It was rough. Um, oh, man. Um, I, I, I'll yeah. tell you, I, I do like your advice about accessible documents. We were fortunate that, uh, granted, we used a smaller kind of local mover that was able, we only had a three-hour move, so it wasn't like a long-distance right, right. move. That, my yeah, local but, move was simple. And, yeah, you know, but but yeah. these guys they did produce PDFs. They were reasonably accessible. They weren't fully, but we could read them and uh, and that. And um, so uh, we just uh, yeah. yeah. But definitely, definitely some good words of advice. Thanks for uh, thanks for uh, thanks for talking to me. Thanks, thanks for, for uh, your regular participation, yes. Ray. I definitely appreciate that. Okay, and up uh, next is Susan. Oh, okay. Hello, Susan. Hi. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Okay, cool. All right. <laughs> um, 
my empathy goes out to everyone who's experienced this because I have too. And just listening brings back memories that I've uh, put way down in the back of my mind because <laughs> they, they were so yeah. traumatic and yes, they survived yes. a nightmare. Yeah. Um, we moved yeah. from Florida to Arizona and um, very, a very similar scenario. Um, I, unlike you, I didn't think about any um, ADA rights, but we did contact or try to contact the mover several times. We were here a couple weeks before our furniture arrived. And the thing that was a piece of luck that happened for us was that one of the people who had been at our home in Florida was actually part of the crew for the move. Yeah, that helps and a lot. When they were in Texas, he called me mm-hmm. and I had guilted him by telling him that the things that they did, his mother would not be proud of. (laughs) (laughs) And so he called to say that he was trying to escape from the other ones and was leaving the group and taking a plane back to wherever he lived. But he wanted to let me know that my furniture probably was not going to be delivered. And I should contact the at Department all? Of Weights and Me- yeah, at all. Yeah. And I should contact the Department of Weights and Measures in Arizona. Yeah, and and there are state level where you can file these things and that may be worth it. I didn't I know really, though. I, yeah. I was I was not aware of any of this. Right. And that's but I personally would stick with the Department of Transportation. Um oh, absolutely. Because absolutely, it, it, but that's I, where I was the totally power naive. is, and yes, yeah. and that's yeah, I why was ignorant. Most of us are. I mean, and, I yeah. have no idea. And that's why we're doing this. That's why we do this podcast. Is because well, yeah. And you you had mentioned about the furniture being disassembled and um the difficulty in getting to wherever you lived, and the, and they wanted to charge extra for that. Well, the person I contacted at the Department of Weights and Measures was aware that that was going on. So he got involved and he um, told me not to worry about it, which helped a little bit, but not a whole lot. No, no. And, <laughs> not until it's and, all done. And no. sure enough, they they did arrive. And he he wanted me to let him know each time they called me exactly what they were doing. And my last call to him was the driver called me. He said he's at a Home Depot trying to pick up some helpers, which uh, meant that yeah. he was yeah, Off he was the street contractors. Up, yeah, he was picking up illegal we had that too. Mexicans. And, well, yeah. I well, I don't. I'm not gonna. I don't know that, and I'm not. I don't. Well, I do because that's what happened. But <laughs> they were day. I mean, day labor. They're not furniture specialists. They're not. They're basically there yeah, to help it was, unload. They don't know how to put stuff together. So, and all but that. But I, I called the contact, 
and he told me to wait for them and that the police would be there. And I, we were moving into an apartment complex. So I waited in front of the clubhouse looking for the truck to come. And I didn't see any police on patrol or in it won't it won't it won't be done it won't be done that way honestly it happened it happened exactly that way the driver came he pulled up to the entrance he got out he told me he wouldn't be able to deliver and then he was surrounded by police cars (laughs) yeah but they're out of nowhere i don't know where and they had him and his crew walk the furniture from the entrance around the complex to the apartment that we lived in. And they didn't get away with charging us extra. They did get away with delivering our dining room furniture with only one of its two pedestals. They did get away with breaking other things and not delivering a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had a file cabinet that had, important papers but we couldn't fit everything in our car and right we i, I had to fly with these people yeah. <laughs> they broke into my safe i had a locked safe luckily yeah. i had taken out all of the you know main paperwork and i just uh-huh. wanted the safe itself but they they tried i mean it was broken i i couldn't salvage the the thing itself i don't have a safe <laughs> oh yeah so, no, we lost yeah, our I birth mean, we lost our birth certificates and our marriage certificates i brought all of that diplomas and you know I, all that good stuff yeah 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 well and there's nightmare. identity theft and all that too. it is and, and that's yeah. but but to me that that's why what we're trying to do is by filing i'm hoping that the Department of Transportation will realize there is a Title III issue here, that the industry is not following the ADA at all. Right. And that something needs to be done um, about that. And, you know, honestly, the Department of Transportation, in my view, deserves some blame for this because there is no guidance on this. There is no. um, And so that's why I think, you know, to me, uh, we, you know, it's over. We we already lost all the money. If we get it back, great. If we get something back, great. But there's the issue here about having the law followed and respected and hopefully and preventing other people, yeah. you know. Um, so Absolutely. I mean, that's, and that's what, what you're we're, doing is wonderful because hopefully it will prevent it from happening to other people. Well, thank you for joining us today, Susan, and sharing your story. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people have awful stories about movers, and uh, and maybe by getting this stuff out there, we can help other, we can help change it, and then maybe we can also show other people how to do this if it happens to them. And so, um, hopefully, when we figure out exactly how they want us to do this, um, we can come back on a future episode and talk about what happened and how they wanted us to file and uh, all of that. And I think, you know, it, it would be good, you know, for, for the advocacy organizations like ACB and even, you know, NFB and all that to be aware of, of some of these things too. Like, and yeah. then maybe they can be a place where we could go to get some guidance on, you know, what to do when we're getting ready to do this kind of thing. And, you know, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, when um, executive director, former president spoon was here 
Um, I think there would there is a role for the advocacy organizations in helping the individual file these kinds of things mm -hmm. and doing, you know, it's not a lawsuit. I'm not saying ACB should be people's lawyers. Uh, but I do think we can, as an organization, we can help people understand how to file these things and maybe help them get it done, which in my view increases ACB's ability to advocate for the kind of change ACB advocates for at the federal level, because the complaints motivate the federal government to make the changes. That's that's really a huge part Absolutely. of it. And if 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 those of us involved with ACB, if we had a way um, of of helping our members do that, first of all, we're helping our members get redress, which is important. Uh, but we're also advancing the, the cause of legislative and rulemaking change by notifying them of all of the problems. It's not fair that people in the public, in order to have their rights addressed, uh, have to know how to do this and figure out how to do it on an industry by industry, agency by agency basis. And I think that that's something if we could figure out a way within ACB um, to figure out how to do that. And, you know, it, you know, I don't want to put anybody on the spot, um, Ray, but I know uh, you're on the board. If that's something you'd like to discuss sometime um, as well, please let me know. I, I think it would be a wonderful way if we could figure out how to do that. Um, mm -hmm. Again, I'm not putting anyone on the spot. You don't need to respond or anything. I don't even know if you're still here. <laughs> um, but uh, do we have any other hands raised? Okay. Um, we have no further hands. Ray still is here. <laughs> do we have anyone in Clubhouse? Oh, with any questions? Right. Do we have anyone in Clubhouse, Brad? I'm assuming not, since you have no. We have a couple up. listening, but I have no hands. Okay. Okay. Um. So. To, to uh, in future episodes, we will have updates on this. We just wanted to share this today as a as a this is what happened and these are the steps we are taking because uh, honestly, it's not easy for me to figure out how to file this particular complaint um, since it's not the typical moving complaint. So I would have no idea, and they would have really probably got a, gotten a uh, yes, and that's no yes, idea, and that's and that's not right, and that's what we need to look at. Um, so, so that we will have, but now uh, changing gears, um, we have a little bit of time left. We decided to walk through another couple of scenarios that um, we are both aware of for different reasons. Um, so why don't we start, um, Desiree, with something that you're familiar with, and you can explain. Why don't we start um, with just a little bit about as a as a parent with a disability, mm -hmm. uh, with children in school? Yeah, so um, my kids, I have one in college, and the other two are now 9 and 12. So I've been dealing with the school system for, you know, at least the past 15 years um, since my oldest started. And, you know, when she started kindergarten and I would go to the teacher and I would say, okay, this is my situation. Um, now I was at the time married to a sighted person. And so their whole thing was, well, you know, have her father read it to her or have this happen. 
And I was also told multiple times um, by different people within the school system um, at, you know, the principal and different things that their job is to accommodate the students, not the students' parents. And, you know, at the time when I was told that, I took it and I thought, well, that's crazy, but okay. You know, I, and so I just kind of made it work however I could, um, was not really accommodated. Um, she luckily was way ahead of things. So I didn't have a lot of struggle with her getting things done on time and all that stuff. Um, but you know, as the other kids have gotten into school and maybe in my youngest, you know, needs a little more assistance sometimes. Um, I'm finding that, wow, you know, by not accommodating me as the parent, they're actually not accommodating her. Even, you know, if she doesn't have a disability or if she falls into, you know, a, a situation where, you know, she's a little bit behind her grade level because, you know, maybe she's younger or whatever the reason is, by not giving me access to what she's doing, they're not accommodating her. And so trying to figure out, you know, and and of course now we've moved and it's like starting all over again, right? And just trying to figure out who do I talk to? What are, what, you know, because now I, I'm aware, obviously of all this conversations that we've had, <laughs> I'm aware that they were wrong and I have my rights, but now, you know, how do I go about talking to someone and who do I talk to and what do I bring to the table to say, look, I need these accommodations and nothing else is, I'm not going to take, have someone else read it to you or take a picture of it. And maybe you can have some access or, you know, so I've always done workarounds. My, my whole thing is, well, I can use this technology and figure it out. Sort of, you know, that's. Mm -hmm. So here's um, what I want to say about this. I have gone to, uh, several IEP meetings, uh, uh, individual education plans for uh, students with disabilities um, by my uh, or with um, other students. I also went to my own, but obviously I didn't know anything about the law when I was going to my own. And for most of my K-12 career, there was no ADA. Mm -hmm. uh, there was Section 504 um, and there was IDEA. Um, the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. But what we're talking about here, and this is something I think a lot of people miss. I know from my experience uh, in a number of situations, a lot of schools don't understand this. Um, I have seen schools say I was at an IEP meeting helping out a family several years ago and with a school, um, in quotation, special education director said, well, you know, we don't have to accommodate the parents. And I said, I'm just telling you right now, that's not true. And the special education director said, well, you know, th the parent doesn't have an IEP. Mm -hmm. I said, no, <laughs> the parent has rights under Title II of the Americans with Disabilities Act. It was a public school. So public schools are covered by Title II, just so people understand that. Every public school is covered. Uh, private schools are covered by Title III unless they are religious um, institutions. If they are owned and run by religious institutions, uh, they don't have to follow the law. Now, isn't there a new 
thing that just came out now that's going to require the public schools to have it accessible. So that's that. what, yes, are the proposed rule under web accessibility under Title II will, if adopted in its proposed form, require that parents have things be accessible to parents. So, however, uh, that's two to three years away. Mm -hmm. So what I would do in the meantime, um, and this is going to, this, this is just me being real here. Every school district should have a section 504 Title II person. Most of them will call them Section 504 because they don't understand the Title II component of it. Uh, and I'm I'm just a really honest person, so I'm just going to tell you the truth. Most of the people you talk to will be totally unqualified to be doing the job they're doing. They're not going to know very little about Title II not much more about 504 other than we know how to put together an IEP on a template. Um, and so you are going to have to educate them a lot. Mm -hmm. This is one of the problems with the industry. Places should be hiring, in my view, qualified people with disabilities to do the work. Mm -hmm. uh, if we're not going to insist on uh, people with disabilities, at a minimum, we should be insisting on qualified people. Uh, that does not happen. Chiefly, it does not happen because the people making the hiring decisions have no idea what the role should actually be doing. So in most cases, you have to prepare to take these things on as if you're going to have to do a lot of education. So the first thing I would start off with is learning who the district-wide person is. They are more than likely going to try to get you to do it on a school-by-school, teacher-by-teacher basis. That's unfair to you. It's a waste of your time, and it's their job. Yeah. yeah, and I have a middle schooler. She's got, you know, six, seven, seven teachers, teachers right. and then the elementary school, you know, right. now. So I would not do that. I would find the, they're probably called a Section 504 person for the district. If you don't find one, then I would call the superintendent and say, okay, uh, who is the person? And if you don't have one, well, congratulations. You and I are going to work on this superintendent. So you, you recommend calling versus like trying to send something in uh, writing if, if that you, says, if I you, know yeah. my rights and if, I don't have any yeah, right if now? You, <laughs> if, you, if you find an email address for the 504 person, you're free to do that. Some people organize their thoughts better in writing. Yes. Some do it better over the phone. Mm -hmm. uh, initially, you can do what's comfortable for you. Eventually, you do want stuff in writing, so there's a paper trail. Mm -hmm. That's the sad truth, but it's the truth. So what you're going to want to do is when you find the person or you just go to the superintendent because it's not obvious who the person is, just tell them up front, I'm, I'm requesting accommodations under Title II if it's a private or a public school or Title III if it's a private school. I am requesting my accommodations uh, under whatever the appropriate title is as a parent with a disability. Uh, you are totally covered. 
they have to accommodate you. Um, and then you need to know what accommodations right, are you going question. to what, What's acceptable, right? Because here's yeah. the thing. They are not, in most cases, they're either not going to know um, or they're not going to want to do things that are hard um, or it'll be some kind of combination. Mm -hmm. So my view, which may be a little you know, more demanding than others, uh, my view is everything that you send home must be provided accessibly to me. I cannot, I will not rely on my child. No, to, that never works out. <laughs> I will not rely on my child to read me their report cards, no. their progress reports. Um, I, I'm not going to rely on my child to tell me what what the calendar of events is and when things are or when things aren't. Um, the assignments, it, that's going to be a tricky issue yeah. now. The rule when adopted should help a lot in that area. Um, but I would, you know, it, it's all going to depend on how, how aggressive you're willing to be, how much you want and can afford to be involved. But you do have legal rights. And that's why the most important thing is to start out with I, I, as the parent with a disability, am requesting accommodations for me under this title two or three. Mm -hmm. And if, and, uh, you know, if, if they start that, you say, no, I have my own rights, you're covered. Um, even if they say, well, you know, this or that, there's even the companion uh, section under the law, under Title II. Uh, so you can say, you know, well, I you have to talk to me about my child's education. So clearly I'm covered. So is there, um, it, you know, if is there a specific link that would quote those so that, you know, you can say, I've, I've read through this. This is what it says. They're not going to want to read through yeah. the entire rule. The yeah, entire if it's if it's helpful, um, I can write a sample letter as a post on the Demand Our Access website, a sample email uh, or something you can paste into the body of a contact form. And we'll, we'll do that. Mm -hmm. um, and people can use what uh, they want to or not. Um, with the disclaimer, as we say on all of the times when we give legal advice in quotation marks, none of this is actually legal advice. Uh, I'm not anybody's lawyer uh, except Desiree's. No, no <laughs> nobody else, uh, because it's all fact specific. But I can give people a sample uh, text that they can use when they make this initial contact. Um, and But then you have to think about what are other things you want to look for. Um, if they're not going to provide accessible documents, if they don't know how, if the parent portal or app mm. they're using is not accessible, so many apps they use now. what accommodations are you personally willing to live with? Um, do you want regular meetings with your uh, with the teacher to go over progress since they're not providing you any updates? that you can accessibly read are you gonna say hold the line and say no i'm demanding accessible everything electronically be accessible to me these are personal decisions you'll have to decide for yourself how you want to handle them 
Um, but I want to pause because I don't want us to run out of time before giving people a chance to ask questions about this. Currently, we do not have any raised hands here. What, how are you doing, Brad? Uh, no hands. Well, okay, I thought that's true because you would have raised your hand if you did. So we have you about are. we have about three and a half minutes left, so I want to say that if people, if any parents out there have questions about this, if you want us to cover it in more depth. Um, we can even walk through the proposed email uh, language and describe why things are there. Um, if that would be helpful to people, we can certainly come back to that. Uh, I really do want and appreciate feedback from people. Um, please write me at jonathan at demandrxs.com or fill out the contact form because that's will really help us. Like right now, uh, I don't have anything planned for the December episodes. Um, I really would like to know what folks, how I can best help people uh, learn more about the rights they uh, want to learn more about now. So please keep that coming. I will post a, uh, put a post up on the blog uh, part of the website about the, um, the uh, sample language you can use when contacting your school district. Uh, or your private school, um, and I will put some explanatory information in front of it in case somebody it doesn't listen to the podcast. Um, and I want to thank Desi and, and Brad and Jane for their help today. Um, we will be back on December 2nd and December 18th. I think it's the 16th. Or 16th. Yep, you're yeah. right. It's November 18th today. Yeah. <laughs> December 2nd and December 16th at 2 p.m. Uh, please help us figure out what the topics will be. Uh, and I hope everyone who is uh, going to enjoy it have a, ha have a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, and we will see everybody on the 2nd. Have a nice weekend. Thanks, everybody.